Hello, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Field, CMO for Pop Health. Um, and for those of you listening, if you notice a change in the sound, I'm recording on my iPad today because I forgot my laptop, so I, I apologize if this sounds uh, a little funny, but I'm, I'm excited about our topic today and who we're talking to. So um, we're featuring our volunteer services at Mount Sinai Health Partners, and I have uh, Emily Weinger and Asim Baig here with us. Who are uh, Emily leads our volunteer services for Mount Sinai Health Partners, and Asim is one of our volunteers who has a really incredible story. We're super excited to have you guys with us today. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me on. Absolutely. Um, so Sam, let's start with you, if you don't mind. Uh, you emailed me a while back and mm-hmm. were telling me a little bit about your experience just in, at least at least currently in life, both as a, as a volunteer, but also um, experience in the service of volunteers. If you tell us a little bit about your story and how you, how you came to work with us. Um, so I moved to New York in about 2013, and I moved because I want, um, because you know, because I wanted to be more, you know, more independent in terms of, you know, like committing on my own. So that was actually the the main, you know, the main reason why I moved, and it was a tough uh, trade off because I moved from the suburbs of Northern Virginia or DC to to, to a busy city like New York, and. Um, because I was born with a congenital uh, visual impairment, I'm legally blind, so I have a Conrad dystrophy uh, nystagmus. Mm-hmm. So because I was, uh, because I was born with it, um, I don't have, or like I kind of forgot w- what the actual you know like the full meaning of it is. But mm-hmm. my um, the um, acuity is around twenty four hundred to twenty six hundred. But the acuity tells parts of the. St- the story. So to break it down, my you know vision, the way it works is that I you know like I'm basically uh, like I see like I'm legally blind, but I see colors and shapes fine. But after a few feet, things get blurry. Gotcha. And I can't see small fonts such as like twelve point font on like a you know like a word document, or I can't see like someone's like color, but I can see like you know big signs like you know like on Times Square if it's in big letters. So, yeah. Um, so you know, you know, like I um, adapt around that, and you know, like I'll use technology and, and yeah. stuff like that to you know, to better yeah you know, um, accommodate my you know my visual impairment or you know legal blindness you know sure you know yeah. And, and what brought you to New York from Virginia? Uh, because I wanted to start a new path. I was just volunteering at an elementary school mm-hmm. in Virginia, and. And I dropped out of college uh, when I would turn, um, I turned 18 because I was afraid of, because, you know, because I was, uh, because I was, you know, very shy and, and I was afraid to, to advocate for myself and um, ask for, um, you know, like, um, like I went to a community college, so I was afraid to ask for accommodations, accommodations that I needed. Yeah. And I also, yeah, so I'm, and I just dropped out and I, Thought, hey, you know, if I moved to New York because my sister was, you know, she lives in the Bronx, um, so I moved here, and it was, you know, like, like it wasn't planned, but I wanted to be more independent and yeah. learn things on my own as opposed to, like, ask a family member to, you know, say, you know, d- drive me to the bank or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in choosing a place in New York City, I can't imagine the complexity of choosing New York City to become more independent. Yeah, so it's a tough trade-off because you yeah. lose, you know, because you lose a suburban life and a big space, and yeah. then you move to New York. But then, but then the benefit of New York is that there's 
like I'm not sure if there's more uh, services, but you meet more people yeah. that can better um, assist you yeah. in terms of your career path, or, and there's more opportunities in your face in New York. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And and then uh, how long have you been volunteering with Mount Sinai Health Partners? Uh, uh, two months. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, two wonderful months. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Emily, how, you know, it's, we were just talking before we got started. I embarrassingly know very little about our volunteer services without, within Mount Sinai Health Partners. So can you tell us a little bit about the program and how it started? Yeah, sure. Um, so we started uh, back in 2012 before, before me. Um, I was a, a social worker with the PACT program, the Preventable uh-huh. Emissions Care Team at the time. Um, and I was using the volunteers. Um, they they started to assist the social workers um, with some of their tasks to help save time so that the social workers can spend more time with the patients, um, go into the hospital and enroll more patients, yet still know that some of the tasks for for our patients was, was being completed. Um, and and it was a great resource. And a few years later, I joined, and and now I'm the program coordinator. Yeah. Um, and we've evolved now, so now we're we're under Mount Sinai Health Partners Care Management. Right. Um, and we work with, you know, we started from working with a small team of of the packed social workers, um, and now we work with, uh, you know, a few hundred of the of the care managers. Right. All of the care managers. How many volunteers on average do we we tend to have? So on on average, we're, we reach around twenty at a time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> not all come in at once. Yeah, but, of course. Um, everyone has their own schedule, so they can come in between nine to five um, and choose, you know, what what time of day works for them. So um, it's we have about ten that come in at a time. Yeah. Yeah. How do the volunteers? find us? And I'll ask you the, the same question here in a minute about how you found us specifically, but how, in general, how So in general, I mean, we, we're on the Mount Sinai website that we're um, one of the volunteer programs. So there is a, a volunteer department um, that we are under that um, connects uh, people who are interested in volunteering depending on their interests. And so we're one of those programs. Um, if you are interested in social work, uh, care management, healthcare administration, we're a good program to to come to and volunteer, but um, we also um, have some um, bulletins out at some local universities um, for students that are, you know, in school and they're looking to volunteer and um, learn about the hospital. They can go through their school as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Asim, how did you find us? Yeah, so I joined a group called um, I called Achilles International, and basically what the group does is it's a running group for people with all disabilities, you know, from from uh, traumatic brain injury to you know to people like me who are legally blind to people who are blind, and um, and also you know people in the military who are you know are you know that are war veterans. Um, so I joined the New York chapter because they have more than one chapter. And the goal of Achilles is to empower disabled athletes to participate in mainstream sports. A social worker actually told me about Achilles, you know, because I needed a place to meet people yeah. and socialize. Because, you know, like my first, 
year of New York was, you know, I was by myself. I was, you know, like, oh, like gosh, I couldn't yeah. make friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was hard to make friends. So my social was like, hey, you know, that, uh, that you know, like there's a group called Achilles International that does, you know, that, that, that runs. And I wasn't, you know, like, uh, and that was around 2013. And, and at that time I wasn't a runner. You know, I just, mm-hmm. you know, like I, like I ran treadmill and that was it. And why would I, you know, uh, join a group, you know, where a bunch of New Yorkers tell me what to, <laughs> you know, what to do? <laughs> and so, so like, I had a lot of, I guess, you know, misconceptions about it. Sure. So my first day, um, I joined and it, you know, like, it worked out perfectly. But the way I started here, I went to um, Hunter uh, College on the Upper East Side. Uh-huh. And... I have one year left, but I had to stop going because I um, had difficult balancing, you know, life because I have a daughter who is three and a half years old. Okay. So I went to my counselor and I thought, hey, you know, like, um, you know, like maybe I'll volunteer somewhere and see how social work works. And then, and then I'll see, and then I'll go uh, from there. And so I reached out to some volunteers at Achilles. Mm -hmm. So I met my um, uh, marathon guide from last year, whose name is Kevin Fittinghoff, and he actually referred me here to volunteer here. And I was a bit nervous about, you know, but then, you know, but then I was nervous to join Achilles as well. So that's how I got here. And then I got, I came here, and then I met Emily. And the whole staff, you know, the yeah. whole staff here. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've had lots of uh, experience, kind of meeting your fears. It seems like. Yeah, it's funny because I volunteer here, but then when I go to um, the, the the running group at Achilles, I'm being guided by by you know by volunteers. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's uh, so it's like so I'm it back, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so I'm seeing both perspectives of of how important uh, volunteering is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can we spend a little time talking about your accomplishments? So you said you weren't a runner in 2013, I think you said, right? Yeah. So I, my first day of Achilles, I you know like I joined for the, the social component. So I joined, and you know, uh, normally what we do is we just you know meet up on East 90th Street and Fifth Avenue on Tuesday evenings around 6 and Saturday mornings around 10. You know, like my first run, you know, like it is a running group, so, you know, like, and, you know, people have different paces, so some people walk, so, you know, some people uh, run uh, different paces. Mm-hmm. And my first day, I just thought, hey, you know, like I've, like I never was, like as a kid, I was never um, involved in sports, so I actually right. took it, so I actually thought, hey, you know, that this might be a, a great way to, one, stay in shape, and then two, Meet people, and then three, um, I actually, you know, like do, like uh, participate. And I, my first run with them was a run walk, and it was in the heat, of, in in April, and it, <laughs> and that was a miserable, you know, run walk because I bet. because um, but what what inspired me was that hey, you know, like I ran more than one mile, and I've never ran more than one mile in my life. Yep. So, and you. Did a marathon last year? Is that right? um, yeah. So in 2013, I just started. I started out, you know, like a four mile run, uh, run walk, and then, um, and then in 2015, I think I did my first marathon in wow. the, the New York City Marathon. And ever since, I think I've done a total of nine marathons. Unbelievable. 
Thank you. Yeah, there's so many people that that don't have visual impairment, don't have any impairment, and still the thought of doing one marathon is is pretty overwhelming. So that's it's amazing on on all levels, regardless your disability, no disability. It's pretty amazing to do what you've done. It's funny because it took me multiple marathons to appreciate to appreciate how fun a five. <laughs> you know, I'm a runner, and you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, like the first two years, I was very competitive. I sure. I just was, you know, like I, you know, like I was never like an organized sport, so I was mm-hmm. very competitive. I went from you know 5k, 10k to uh, triathlon, sprint triathlon, half Ironman, then all the way to the full Ironman, and then and when I completed the full Ironman at Lake Placid, um, wow. My daughter so not was. even just a marathon. It's done. An, you're done an Ironman. That's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> and How then amazing. I realized, hey, you know, like I have to do races not to prove other people wrong, but to prove my, you know, to test my own limits. And w- you know, when I completed Lake Placid, my daughter was six, and that you know that like that's when I realized that running kind of like it seeps into your life because it makes you a better parent. You know because. Life is, you know, because life is an um, endurance sport. So, yeah. you know, so my daughter is three and a half. So if she's up at two a.m. Like it, re- you know, it requires a lot of endurance. So. <laughs> That's for sure. And you have to have, you know, like, so it's not about the speed, but the stamina yeah. and you know, strength. So yeah, that, no, that's pretty amazing. Um, Emily, what sort of things do the volunteers do? You said helping the social workers do things, but do they sometimes call patients and things like that? Too? They do sometimes call patients. Um, a lot of the work is is um, those tasks that take the most time. So, like researching. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of our of our patients are looking for new providers that um, are a network that are close to their homes. Um, so there's a, a list of factors that they're looking for, and so a social worker will ask a volunteer, "Can you look for, um, you know, a specific cardiologist within this zip code in Brooklyn that you know is in network?" Um, and and it can take some time. And not only are the the volunteers researching, but they're calling to confirm as well. And so we have that um, double check, you know, system right. that the social worker can feel confident. Um, we also um, the volunteers are, are calling insurance companies um, quite often, as Sim can attest to, to find out you know benefits and um, is this wheelchair covered by this patient's insurance you know tasks that it, it you're on hold for quite a long time sometimes yeah. when you're calling insurance companies and um, we'd rather have the the social workers and the care managers. Um, Use their their degrees, you know, to the to their fullest, um, and and not sit on hold, but um, work with the patients that are more risk, you know, higher higher risk of of admitting to the hospital and going, you know, yeah. readmitting. Um, so so they're on the phone quite a lot. They're researching um, mental health providers. They're researching support groups. Um, one one care manager told me she can say yes now to her patients um, all the time because we have the, the volunteers to, to do that research or to right. call that, um, you know, physical therapist that isn't picking up. Yeah. Um, and so they're, the volunteers are an extended arm of the social yeah, workers, um, of the care managers. Um, it's, they're uh, an invaluable resource. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like it. And I, I meet a lot of Pop health leaders in a lot of different settings. I've never ever heard 
of anyone having a, a team of volunteers like USM and others working with the team this way, which is just pretty awesome. Do you, um, this is, I guess, a question for both of you. Do you think the average volunteer really could, when, I think when most people think of volunteering, they think of, um, like, well, you know, I'm old enough to remember sort of the candy stripe model where, you know, the volunteers would wear the, the red and white smocks and stuff. <laughs> but, but even in the, in the hospital, more like greeters or transport or things like that, um, this is a little different. And do you think that the volunteers understand, like, our, our bigger goals in terms of pop health and what we're trying to do to improve the quality and outcomes? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think that's sometimes why, you know, people don't know of the volunteer, of our volunteer program is because we're not the greeters. We're not out there wearing the red coats. Um, we're not seen, you know, so we're, we're behind the scenes. Um, but, um, the volunteers, they go through an orientation, not only with the volunteer department, but with myself. And so they get a real understanding of, why they're doing the work they're doing, um, how they're directly affecting the patients, even though it may not feel that way when they're yeah, spending important. an hour researching, but um, they're connecting patients to way more resources. Um, and and the whole goal they know is to connect the patients and keep them healthy in, uh, in, the, in their community or in their home. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that was actually one thing so yeah, so so we prepared for this podcast, so Emily and I, and that was actually one thing we focused on was, um, um, and you know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like sometimes, vol- you know, like like volunteers don't you know realize how much they're contributing to yeah. to, yeah. to society, yeah. and yeah, it yeah. happens in you know like in all aspects of life, but you know like it, like think of like how many thousands of you know people you know know about you know Mount Sinai and. Like uh, sometimes, like the word volunteer has a negative connotation, but but here, like at Mount Sinai, like you know, it's a lot of work. It's like <laughs> like uh, yeah, like like calling um, calling insurance companies and being on the phone for two hours. I've ran many marathons, but it's not like sometimes I feel like <laughs> it's another I, endurance race. Yeah, so, yeah, it's another <laughs> endurance sport. It's just like it's no, like how sure. did I get th- th- um, through that phone call? <laughs> right. No. I'm sh- and you know, I I you know, I'm a family doc, and and so. I, I can definitely attest to that. I mean, I think most, not only the, the social workers, but the physicians, the nurses, everyone involved feel that way about healthcare in general, that it feels like it's an endurance sport sometimes. A lot of stuff you have to get, it's like removing barriers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only are you, as a volunteer, helping the social worker with those phone calls, of course, the social workers um, appreciate the assistance, but I, I can't imagine a patient who is at high risk or... Um, you know, recently out of the hospital in a vulnerable position that they can even think of making that phone call that is going to take two hours just to find out if their insurance is covering a medication yeah. or, um, you know, something that they require when they're home from the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, because also um, to transition back, you know, to transition into New York Live, I, like I might, you know, like myself saw a social worker as well. Mm-hmm. So like I was the product of a social worker who helped me a lot um, transitioning from, you know, from A to B. And yeah. so I can empathize with the patients, even though I, like I, my job is to do a lot of research. Like I don't see the patients, but I have a, a connection with the patient because, yep. you, you know, because I know how important volunteering is and or like how like important 
finding the resources is because Absolutely. because sometimes it's not easy to find a simply like I'll have a task and it says hey you know like find a support group for so and so and it seems easy but sometimes you have to make sure that the support group that the support uh, group is active what time they meet and it's you know like it's not easy to just walk in like to a new place and just say hey you know like i'm here for this you know support absolutely uh group so that's actually like my favorite part of the job is is finding support groups for for mothers and people with uh with chronic illnesses you know and the reason i like doing that and and I can empathize, and I can, you know, you know, connect with the patient. Is that because, um, because even though Achilles is a running group, but it, um, it like I treated it like a support. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a little bit ago that um, part of why you chose this process is your interest in social work and wanted to see what social work was like. And I'm curious as to after a couple months, what your impressions are of social work and how it might impact your future. Um. So, like, in my few, you know, like, in my t- two months here, like, it's worked out perfectly because I'm fully accommodated. So, if I'm fully accommodated, then I'm allowed to perform at the highest yeah. point. Right. And, you know, it's like, um, and, my, you know, like, I've done, you know, jobs in retail where, like, I wasn't fully accommodated. So, like, I was, you know, like, I've worked at warehouses where, like, it was a bunch of heavy lifting mm-hmm. and it required a, more technique than vision. Um, I like the benefit of this is that like this is like the first real job where I have a chance to prove myself and have upward mobility and um, and it's the same thing with running I know I keep the reason um, I bring up the Achilles uh, running is because there's parallels between you know between both Mount Sinai and Achilles because because they both like have led me to to something positive yeah and, um, and it sounds like in in both instances, I mean, there are, there are barriers everywhere, right? And you've had to navigate those. Yeah. So exactly. So like, like one thing I've realized is, um, it doesn't matter like if you have a disability or not. We all have our own different levels of barriers. And so me personally, being you know visually impaired, like I need everything. Like for example, like uh, if I work with a patient chart and it's not clear, then I'll just you know like I'll ask Emily and she'll put it into text format and it's easy to see. So then I can make the phone call for the, and then advocate on behalf of the patient, and that helps yeah. me help the patient. And absolutely. And uh, that's probably my favorite you know part about it here is that is that no one is afraid to uh, you know like no one is afraid to help me. In terms of accommodations, and and it sounds personally speaking like it's not like having someone that sh- that shows empathy and is willing to help you, you know, like perform your your task to the best of your abilities is you know like it's not easy to find people who who want to um, uh, support you and accommodate you. I, and and I'm sorry that that's true, but I'm I'm glad that um, you have found a good spot here that's letting you meet those goals yeah so yeah so i appreciate yeah yeah thanks yeah no thank you uh for your for your work Uh, it's pretty amazing i mean as a marathon athlete a try iron man triathlete i'm wondering what am i doing (laughs) (laughs) i'm that person that's afraid to run a mile right well i'm just wasting time (laughs) well no you're not (laughs) (laughs) no it's It's pretty inspiring, though. Uh, I, I hope you realize that that it's it's pretty inspiring, and um, I'm sure, you know, we, we don't. I'm glad that we're able to bring some awareness of 
your contributions, but also the contributions of the entire volunteer team because it's pretty awesome. And I hope you know other systems that might be listening, some of my friends and co-leaders in other institutions, are kind of learn a lot about how we can use um, volunteers to do. And we, we're all trying to improve outcomes. It's a good thing. We're just doing it in a different way. And, but really appreciate what you're doing. Go ahead. Yeah, and um, you know, Asim was saying the the program that we have on the computer that uh, helps him see better on you know the screen and and it reads back to him. It did take a few minutes to download, and it has allowed him to do every type of task that any right. volunteer does, and even even more. I think Asim has picked up on the work so so quickly and and easily and. I would describe him as an independent um, volunteer yeah. because he, you know, he navigated not only the work but the bathroom and the water cooler and um, all the normal uh, everything, stuff, right? Like right the, that yeah. that yeah. you don't think. And yeah. um, he does everything that any volunteer is doing. You know, researching, looking online, um, calling, you know, insurance companies and and transportation companies. He's calling patients to to remind them of appointments. I mean, he's he's doing it all. Yeah, with a relatively small investment of time and downloading this thing, right? right? That, like, that needs him there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Any, any last words in our conversation today? I assume you get the last word. No uh, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So, no. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's it, I actually took notes, like like a, f- a couple pages of notes, and I it was funny. Um, is, is there anything else you want to cover that we didn't? Cover? Um, no, I just want to thank you for having me on, and I really want to thank Emily for being here. To, you know, because it. Because you know, because she is the one that I come to. If I like, even though it's volunteer, like some tasks are very difficult to search. So I'll come to Emily and say, "Hey, Emily, you know, like the the social worker wants this done. How can I best approach this? Or like, how can I search? Or um, how can I, you know, phrase the search to find the search much, you know, faster?" And Emily just like like she tells me in like two seconds. I'm like, "How do you do that?" Then, <laughs> you know, but then I forget that. She, you know that she's a social worker herself. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it helps to learn from someone that knows. Business. Yeah. Well, I greatly appreciate both of you and your work and your time and for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, and for those listening, if you have ideas for a future podcast, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.